Want to know what strategies real graduates use to launch their career? Well, here's your chance. From personal stories to insider tips, our interviews with graduates and campus recruiters will equip you with the knowledge and inspiration you need to take off and stand out from the crowd. Brought to you by Prospel, your one-stop shop for finding and securing your dream internship or fresh graduate job. Could you tell us about your background story, like what brought you to Australia and what you've been up to since? Yeah. So I'm Leonica and I am an international student who moved from Oman, which is a beautiful country in the Middle East. And when I moved here, I studied a degree in arts and law with a major in politics and a minor in psychology. And so far, I'm very close to being admitted as a lawyer. And that means I can practice as a lawyer in Australia. Uh, which would be pretty cool after going to law school and doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of writing. So that's where I'm at the moment. But in the process, I've had the privilege and the opportunity of doing a lot of things as an international student volunteer, as an ambassador, and being involved in a lot of different projects as well, across the mental health space, across the sexual health space. So it's not one of those linear experiences I've had, which was get into uni, go to law school, get out, get a job, and then just do that. I've had a lot of uh, rich opportunities in between, which I'm really grateful for. That's really cool. Can I ask how you decided to come to Australia? Yeah, I was one of those people who had an Excel spreadsheet that had a list of things based on state with things like temperature and things like scholarships. And I had a massive list that I broke everything down to. I think a lot of education a- agents would love to see my list and would love to see how that decision-making happened. From every time I've mentioned it, there's, there's a lot of excited, can we see it? But it was quite simple. When I broke it down, I wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision because when you're an international student, going overseas to study a degree is a big decision for a lot of reasons. Obviously, financial is one of the biggest ones, but there's a the lot of stuff that people don't talk about it's the emotional things right it's you're going to be away from your family it's going to be educational reasons as well you've studied on a completely different system so I did the CBSE system in Oman it's a completely different education system as to how university education alone would work but university education in Australia would work so that's something I had to think about a lot the other thing was what was I wanting out of life and At 18, when you ask that question, everyone's, yep, I just want to make enough money to have a house and have a successful career and things like that. When you're not 18, because I refuse to disclose that I'm older now, you have to think about different things. Am I being fulfilled by the job I do? Do I have good prospects of a social community around me and things like that? And I think that's the sort of sign of maturity. But at 18, you're just like, what does my future look like? Do I have a good future? And there were a few places that popped up on the list, but Australia was the one that stood out to me the most first, because every time I reached out to any university, there was a very warm response I received. And then I took the opportunity to cold call, not cold call, but cold message a lot of university students who were studying at the universities doing the degrees I wanted. So I'd look up different Facebook groups as to law students at XYZ University And if I saw some students who were quite active because they were involved in the student societies, I'd message them. And the way it cemented UNSW for me was it was the university where I received the best responses from. So I had someone who took a lot of the time from their day to respond to my messages. They took the time to like even show me around when I first moved to Sydney. And I think it's that warmth with which Australian students studying here 
and also international students who'd moved from India or other parts of the world who had supported me when I was making that decision was really life-changing in the sense that I knew that this is where I had to be, right? Because why would you possibly be nice to a random 18-year-old stranger messaging you on the internet going, hey, I want to study in Australia. Can you please tell me about your experience? Because it's a big question if you think about it. And I think that that's what really helped me decide. A lot of those things that, again, added to the fact that it was prestige of education. You have some of the best universities in the world here. And as someone who wanted to do a degree like law, that mattered a fair bit to me. I wanted to make sure I went to a law school where the education was internationally recognized, but also the quality of education. As an international student, you tend to pay a lot of money. Zeros that I did not know existed exist in your life then. And to me, it was important because it was like, if I'm paying so much money, I want to receive quality education, but I also want to receive a quality community because I want to make sure that if I'm starting from scratch, leaving high school friends behind, leaving childhood friends behind, I want to be around people who let me be myself. Because sometimes as an international student who's moving overseas, there's a massive disconnect between your friendships as well. So just seeing what sort of community was offered, Australia was quite rich in terms of support it offered, in terms of community created for international students as well. Yeah, so those were some of the reasons that really cemented Australia for me. Wow. Uh, I wasn't expecting such a well thought out uh, process and everything. That's super cool, actually. So it sounds like you had already decided you wanted to study law back at home. Uh, Something like that. I went through classic decision making process of studying in year 10. And I jumped between a few career choices, I'm pretty sure. And at one point, I was wanting to go to med school because I wanted to follow my parents footsteps and I remember quite clearly it was about two months before my final exams I like walk into my parents room and I go I don't want to be a doctor anymore I want to go to law school and they're like okay that's fine as long as you're happy and as long as you've made the choice and you're confident what you want to do I think law was something I always wanted to do it was an opportunity that was in my head since year 10 and I think I was always passionate about using written word expression to really express myself And I think it just clicked. It was just before the exams. I was sitting there and I remember being stressed about my finals. And then I was just like, actually, I don't think med school is for me. And I think I want to go to law school. And I think that was it. Got it. Got it. And you said you currently work as a paralegal? Yes. So I currently work as a paralegal in the family law and property law um, space. And I've been in the area for about two, two and a half years now. It's absolutely fascinating. I think when you find out what you really like and when you start doing the work, you really appreciate all the hard work that goes into it. It's it's really funny when your parents tell you that you'll understand how this pays off one day and you hear their voice in your head because you're like, why are you saying this? It's so exhausting. I hate studying full time and having to work and I'm doing all of these things. I'm tired. Don't tell me it'll get better. But when you're like, fall into a practice area that you generally enjoy it really does get better wow can you walk me through a day in the life of your role I don't think I ever have the same day but generally it would look like coming into the office and trying to look at what the day has so because family law has a lot of litigation and you have a lot of client meetings and things like that as well You look at your schedule, so you try and plan ahead, map things out, and you have lists of things that keep coming in, court appearances and things like that. So 
it starts with making sure what the day's calendar looks like. So you're across who's coming when, so you know when to not double book and things like that, just in case you have clients who call you. And then you look at what your weekly schedule looks like. So you then get through things that have come in the day before or on the day and you start working through them. And then you start mapping out things for the future. So if you've got hearings, you've got mediations, if, if you've got different things like that, you just start putting them down and mapping it out. And then once you've started mapping it out, you then work through different documents. Is the fun thing about law is there's a lot of paperwork. So it keeps you busy all the time. You start going through the paperwork, start drafting things, scheduling client appointments so you can speak to them and start drafting their documents, getting instructions. It's just a lot of online work as well that you do. And that's what it looks like. So it's it's busy with a lot of drafting and a lot of revising and a lot of rewriting and redrafting and a lot of meeting with clients and making sure you know what's going on ahead if cases come on making sure you know you've prepared everything you need to for that so it could be anywhere between that sometimes it might be preparing a will that takes up a few hours of your day sometimes it just might be organizing documents to prepare a property settlement sometimes it might just be making sure you've got identity documents so you can confirm things for your client Sometimes it's just making sure you've drafted affidavits and things like that. So it could be any of those things. It's constantly a surprise. It's like opening one of those mixed chocolate boxes and you just don't know what you're going to get. It could be a good one or it could be a very busy bit. What would you characterize as a good one or like a good the activity that you, you like? I feel like it really depends on the day and on the person as well. I really like a good busy day because the busier it is, you don't have a chance to look at the time. You just, time just goes, your day goes, but you've learned so much and you've done so much as well. You fall into the flow. Sometimes a quiet day might be necessary if you've had a busy week, but then on a generally quietish day, you're like, this day is too quiet. I don't like it. So it's really hard. I do like a good busy day. A good piece of chocolate for me would be, doing a lot of drafting, doing a lot of client-facing work as well. So just having a lot of things on. Got it. And what would a bad piece of chocolate look like? It would be trying to organize something last minute because there was some miscommunication or it's come out of nowhere and then you do it, which it's the nature of the job. Sometimes things happen last minute, that's fine. Or something comes in that absolutely throws your schedule off. And then you have to work hard to reset that schedule, get people to cover you and things like that. So when you don't have a clear plan ahead, that's when it gets not good. Got it. And in case a student hasn't heard of a paralegal, could you tell us what paralegals are and maybe what's the difference compared to a lawyer? Yeah, absolutely. So to be uh, a lawyer, you need to go through law school and then you need to go do something called a graduate diploma of legal practice. Um, and then you need to be admitted into the Supreme Court. Um, and what that means is you need to be registered on the list of solicitors um, with the Supreme Court of your state. Um, and you can also be registered with the um, High Court of Australia. And what that means is it allows you to go and represent a client or do legal work in those courts and basically say you're a lawyer. So you're not a lawyer unless you've been admitted. So until then, you just have a piece of paper that says you've gone to law school but you haven't been admitted as a lawyer. So that's what a lawyer does. And a lawyer can give you legal advice, anything that involves legal things. They can give you advice. There's a lot of 
safety net around indemnity insurance, what constitutes as legal advice, all of those things. They have a lot of duties and responsibilities. They have to do it properly. So there's just a lot of safety net around that when a client approaches a lawyer. A paralegal is absolutely not a lawyer. And what a paralegal does is the paralegal provides a lot of legal and administrative support to a lawyer or a law firm. And what they do is they do anything and everything that makes the lawyer's job easier in simple terms. So it could be assisting the lawyer with research on a case or research on an article that the lawyer wants to write or the paralegal could draft it. The paralegal can look at things like documentation, start compiling lists of things, can do basic client interviews with the lawyer present so they can start doing things like that. So it's just a lot of that sort of work that all of the content and all of the paperwork and all of the substantive work that the lawyer undertakes requires a lot of support. And that's what the paralegal provides. Got it. Got it. So are you assigned to one lawyer or does each lawyer get like multiple paralegals or how does that it work? It depends on the firm. So you can have general practice area can have a few paralegals who do certain research, drafting. So they've developed that sort of knowledge of that space and they can do it. And then you can have a few lawyers um, who come and request paralegals if they need them for special projects. Or if you're at a small firm, a lawyer will, will have one paralegal. The paralegal does everything for the entire Or if you have a few paralegals who might work casually, so you might have one or two lawyers with a few other paralegals supporting them. It really depends on what the firm's needs are. Again, you have different firm sizes. You have different types of firms. You can have boutique firms where you have one principal lawyer. A common term that comes up a lot is principal solicitor, which is the main person who is in charge of the practice. You can have single principal firms. You can have a firm with one principal and other partners or people like that who are in charge of something. You can have medium-sized firms with different offices. You can have large-sized firms. You have international firms. So you have a lot of different firms. Got it. And what would you say is the coolest thing you've done as a paralegal so far? Oh, go to court. Absolutely. I absolutely cannot tell you how much every time I go to court, I'm in awe of just how much work goes behind being a lawyer, but also the impact you have on people's lives. Just It just becomes really real there. Can you tell us what kind of impact that is? Everything has some kind of impact on people, but with family law, you have more client contact. It's quite litigious as well. And so as a result, you just see how you can support your client's needs, potentially improve their lives for the better. And you can see how the justice system, as we think of it, influences people's lives and how something that you thought would never affect you could be something that affects you and you could be in court. So impact could be in any and always. Got it. So it does definitely sound a lot more directly relevant to the average person than, say, like commercial law. Absolutely. I think all areas of law have an impact on people in always, but I just think it's the nature of that sort of involvement and how that impact comes back to you. But yeah, absolutely. With family law, it's definitely a lot more direct because it affects what your life looks like, what your relationships look like, what your future looks like with those relationships as well, for sure. 
Are you able to provide like an example of a really exciting case you worked on? Or is that like maybe not allowed? No, okay, no, no worries. And does your firm's specifically work in family law or is it one of many practice areas that they so we have a criminal and commercial and family law practice area got it got it and how did you find this firm so I was looking for a new role I was a volunteer legal assistant with the community legal center before this and I wanted to move into a new practice area and I wanted to do some more work in an area I hadn't done before. And luckily, one of my friends was just advertising the role then. I reached out to her. Like we all know, the classic, if you know someone, it makes it easier sort of thing. She then recommended me. And then I had the opportunity to interview and then I got the job. So it was just honestly a matter of chance that my friend was looking for someone to work at her firm and it worked out. That's awesome. (laughs) And they were okay with international students working with them? There was no like visa issues? Yes. I think the visa issue can be an issue where they want you to work above a certain number of days. I was lucky in the sense that my, my boss who I was working for knew that all of the people who had applied were university students and that we'd be working part-time. Um, and so at that point in time, it worked out well for me to work part-time with the number of days that I had. Um, and that my other colleagues as well, who I was job sharing with, were working part-time as well. So I got lucky that setup worked for us. Sometimes it can be difficult when law firms want you for a few more days beyond what the part-time days allow you. So I think it can be a bit difficult then. But you generally do have the opportunity to reach out and have a job sharing situation. I would definitely tell students that if you think you're really passionate about the job, definitely apply for the job. And tell them what your situation is and tell them how you're willing to put in the work, put in the effort as well, and really pull your weight. And then most people who really want to give you the opportunity and see your passion will make it happen or they'll understand where you're coming from. So they'll give you the opportunity as well. I don't think it's something you should be scared about. I think put your foot out there and ask for it. You mentioned job sharing. What does that mean? So job sharing looks like something like if I work part time, I work here. Monday, Tuesday, then someone else works Wednesday to Friday. So it's the same job and same title and everything. And we're doing the same things, but I cover a certain number of days and they cover the other number of days. Is it because the paralegal role is meant to be a full-time role? So you have to... No, so you can do it part-time as well. So it's it, it might not be a job sharing either. You could either be a, um, a part-time paralegal or you could be a casual paralegal as well. Got it. Got it. Okay. And are most paralegals like they have already graduated from uni or are they usually like current uni students like you? So it could be anywhere. You could be anywhere between a first year to a final year student. You could be a recent graduate as well. And then you could be moving into a solicitor role. Could be any number of combinations as well. Okay, cool. Cool. And how did you decide you wanted to be a paralegal or to work as a paralegal? It, it's just a natural order of things in the legal sector. When you are a student, you tend to try and find legal work so you can gain better understanding and knowledge, but also pick up better experience as well in terms of work. And so most university students who study law tend to volunteer in a legal role with, say, a community legal center or at some event or pick up a paralegal or legal assistant or legal secretary role. 
and that allows you to just develop an understanding of the area. And then once you're admitted, you hope into going to being a solicitor and working at the firm that you're at, or sometimes you just want to learn about the area and move around. Got it. And would you, based on your experience, would you recommend other legal students to to check out paralegal roles? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of those things where I acknowledge finding a role as a paralegal can be quite hard, not just as an international student, but even in general, because it's a very competitive space. It's also one of those spaces where a lot of opportunities aren't advertised. So it's one of those areas where having a connection makes a big difference and which unfortunately as an international student, I didn't know that when I first started studying law, I often thought I was doing things wrong. I often thought that I wasn't a good candidate and things like that. And then I just realized it was just about knowing the right people. And I think that makes a big difference. Definitely foster connections in university with other peers as well. Reach out to your careers departments and things like that. So you get your foot in the door. And I recommend that. I think rejection is almost a good part of life because we get it early as international students it doesn't bother you too much after a certain time because you're used to it so much that you are also then used to finding a new way to make things work out for you and I think that's honestly what I did was I knew that I was getting rejected from roles because I was an international student so I then started applying for legal volunteer roles um, with different community legal centers with different organizations so I learned a lot about different practice areas in a very short amount of time. I was exposed to a lot of different things that people might not have had the opportunity to be exposed to. And then it gave me the confidence. It gave me some of the knowledge. And it just meant that while I was going through the entire process, I just kept applying and applying and things that worked out for me. I took that opportunity and things that didn't were just a good learning opportunity. So absolutely apply for it. But I completely recognize that it's not easy. It can be hard especially applying also for legal roles can be intimidating because it's a completely different thing that a lot of us aren't exposed to. As international students, it seems like a very gate-kept community sometimes because it's obviously a very selective practice. You have to be admitted and think there's a lot of high expectations there. But just foster connections in classrooms, meet people at events, put yourself out there, take up opportunities, write articles, do things, focus on your grades as well. And just take the plunge. Got it. Would you happen to remember how many roles you applied for before you landed your oh, easily <laughs> or over five hundred? Oh easily. my goodness! Actually, oh. I've applied for a lot of roles. It's been a long five, six years of applying for a lot of things, and I it wasn't always a rejection. I've had I've luckily had a lot of positive acceptances as well. Sorry, the 500 isn't a grim number, I promise. It's a lot of roles, but also a lot of it isn't just legal applications. So I'd say legal, I would put it about 150, at the most 200. The others were non-legal roles. And I think it took that much time because one, you tend to apply through a lot of these job sharing websites where sometimes you just don't hear from people and you don't know what's happening. Some of them were quite positive, received responses, and then had interviews and things like that. And I was employed at all these different places for different periods of time, which was good. I think the other thing as an international student, especially when you're working, one, not just in Australia, but also in the legal space, you tend to adopt this mindset where you convince yourself that you're not going to get an opportunity and it's really hard for you. And it is hard, right? I'm not going to pretend like it's not hard. It is genuinely hard because you don't have any connections. You don't know anyone. 
it's an industry you know nothing about and you're starting from scratch. So it's absolutely scary. I'm with you on that. But what you do is you tend to fall into this mindset where you think nothing's going to happen. And I think the most hard part about being an international student studying law is reminding yourself not to fall into that mindset and reminding yourself that there will be an opportunity because it starts affecting how you look at opportunities out there then as well and how you start pitching yourself as well. And I know it sounds so cliche, but you constantly have to be pitching yourself. And I think that's how I would recommend that you go about it is that it's hard. Put yourself out there. A lot of applications, you might not hear from them, but just keep doing it because eventually someone will bite. Someone, you don't need five yeses. You need one yes. That's all it took for me. I needed that one yes to get my foot into the door and look at the area of family law and it worked out for me. And that's all I needed, right? That's what you need as well. So keep doing it. You get the one yes, work hard, put your effort in, make sure your grades are going well to the best of your abilities and then things will work out. Got it. Do you feel like your volunteer work helps you land your current role? Absolutely. I think volunteering with the community legal centers, but also just beyond that in the other capacities that I have. Absolutely. I think it's a two-way street, right? One, volunteering is a massive privilege because it's expensive to live in Australia. Two, it can also be quite disheartening sometimes because it makes you wonder whether, you know, you're good enough for a job. Um, and that's a genuine anxiety to have, whether you will get the job you want, whether you'll get the experience. Because And three, you are also competing with local students who have parents who are in the sector, who have connections, who have family, who have other friends who have known their whole lives while working in these spaces. So yes, volunteering there does make a massive difference because you can then go, look, I've picked up experience. I've learned things about this practice area. I have some knowledge and insights. And I'm obviously not the best at it, but I'm willing to dedicate time, effort and energy and do things in this space. And I'd really appreciate any opportunity. So volunteering does show that you're willing to take an opportunity. But I'm also conscious that volunteering can be tedious, can be sometimes financially exploitative for you because it's not the easiest thing to do because you also have to put food on your plate, right? There's a lot happening there. But with the legal space, I would definitely recommend it, right? Because at the end of the day, there's nothing like seeing that much work and learning from it. Because you can talk about going to court, you can talk about doing things, but doing it is quite different from talking about it. So I would recommend that if you get the opportunity to even volunteer half a day between studies, which is why it's usually helpful while you're studying, because you obviously have work hour restrictions, you can only work part time and things like that, do it then. But then beyond that, I would recommend that if you can look at other opportunities, be open to that as well. Got it. And can you share how you decided to specialize in family law? I didn't have a specialization grand story. I didn't have one of those moments where I was looking at something, reading something, and it made me go, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. For me, it was just a matter of chance. My friend was looking for someone at her firm. I got the job. And then I started doing the job and I really enjoyed my work environment. I have a very positive environment where um, my boss is really warm, really supportive, teaches me a lot as well. 
I have a lot of backing to develop my skills as well. So that really helped. And I just happened to like the area. I've had colleagues have been like, oh, we've been working in the family law area as well. We know that when we get admitted, it's not for me. I don't want to go into that practice area. For me, I just luckily have the opposite reaction, which is I really enjoy this. I would like to go into this. And what does a career in family law look like after you graduate? So generally in family law, not for me, what it looks like is it's quite similar to other practice areas of law. So generally in commercial firms, they tend to offer you something called a clerkship where you do a few months over summer to see whether you like the practice areas, whether that's what you want to do. That's what commercial firms offer. But you can do something quite similar in other practice areas as well, which is why a lot of people recommend paralegaling at different firms that have different practice area specializations, because then it allows you the opportunity to understand what work looks like and whether you like it. So you'll have people who paralegal for six months, eight months, a year, two, three years, depending on whether they like the work and move around to try different things. And it's the same thing for every law student. You finish your law degree, you then do your PLT if you want to be admitted. You then get admitted as a lawyer with the Supreme Court and High Court, and then you apply for solicitor roles. And for the first two years, you'll be supervised as a solicitor, and then you'll be working and doing matters in the practice area involved. So it could be a wills and estates lawyer, a personal injury compensation lawyer, family lawyer, property lawyer, could be anything. So depending on what area you're in, you'll then practice for two years, you'll have a supervisor, and then you can apply for an unrestricted practicing certificate. Got it. What are your main considerations in terms of what firms to work for? Absolutely. We already know that I like my Excel spreadsheets and I'm already thinking about my um, options out there. Um, I think it really depends on who you are as a person and everyone likes doing things differently when they're looking for their first job. For someone, it might be prioritizing a firm that has a lot of high reputation and high value. So some people might apply to bigger firms like that. Um, for some people, compensation might be quite important to them because they might have um, a lot of different um, responsibilities and things like that, and they'd like to be compensated for the kind of work that they're doing. But also a good reminder is that when you're interviewing and looking for firms, they're not the only ones interviewing you. You're also interviewing them. A lot of things that matter to me are things like work culture, which means what's the level of support like? What's the level of education and learning opportunity like at that firm? How do I approach people if I don't understand something? Is that quite common there? Is that supported? Is that spoken about? Is that offered? That sort of stuff. And then what does the quality of work look like? Do I have the opportunity to grow my work practice? Do I get the opportunity to take on new matters, to lead things? What are learning and development opportunities? Do we get to attend things? What are conference opportunities? So I think a lot of different factors go into it. Obviously, yes, you have the reputation of the firm and the salary, which is generally what most people will primarily look at. But then at the other end, you also have to remember that you're not the only one working for them. They are also offering you a space where you work. So you want to make sure, what's my supervisor going to be like? Do I get along with my colleagues? Do I like the way work is done in this firm? Do I like the culture here? Do people work late? Do people not work late? What is the flexibility like? Who can I talk to if I have any questions? So I think all of that makes a massive difference. And to me, being able to be in a place where I'm happy to put in the hours, I'm happy to work late, that's not something that personally bothers me. I know some colleagues and some friends would like stricter work deadlines and things like that. So again, really depends on you. 
but I would like a place where I have a lot of opportunity to grow, where I can take a lot of responsibility as well, and where I have a lot of space to learn as well. So I can ask a lot of questions. I can be curious. I can run things past people, but that's what matters to me. Got it. Got it. What do you think is the most, the thing you found most surprising after you started working as a paralegal? Uh, The thing I found most surprising, it is how easy it is to need a lawyer. You don't have to do much, right? Like having legal issues can possibly be a very simple thing that affects a lot of us in circumstances we might not realize. And I think I found that quite surprising is how often people reject the idea that nothing could happen to them and that it, just because it's them, they won't be affected. But the law affects everyone all the time and needing a lawyer can be quite common. So it doesn't have to be a scary thing. I think that's the other thing as well. Needing a lawyer doesn't have to be a scary thing. It just means that you've got your options covered. It's like going to the doctor. You wouldn't treat your own infection. You go to the doctor. It's the same thing. Wow. I was a little scared when you said that, but (laughs) is there anything about your daily life that you've changed now that you're more familiar with the law? I refuse to give people any response if they ask me, hey, I have a question about this thing for you. They want free legal advice because one, you can't give legal advice when when you're not admitted to. Also, there are a lot of consequences for giving legal advice when they're not your client. There's a lot of responsibility around this. So I think something about my daily life is I don't tell people what I've studied because then everyone has a lot of questions and everyone wants you to answer a lot of questions, which can be quite nice, but sometimes can be a bit exhausting as well because it's hard to explain to people that I can't give you a response and you have to talk to a lawyer and I can't tell you what the lawyer's costs are going to be. It's like asking your math teacher a response for geography how are they going to answer it law has a lot of practice areas as well and I think that's something that people forget because people will have very innocent questions about one practice area and you're like I don't do that at all I don't know anything about that practice area so it can be quite tricky to manage expectations sometimes so I think sometimes managing that in a social context can be a bit tricky yeah got it got it and I know you mentioned long hours Would you be willing to share the hours you work and the sort of work-life balance on what that looks like? Yeah, so generally my hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. I don't think I work too late often. I've never had to stay back super late unless you've had one of these days where the printer stopped working and then it magically starts working at 5.30 just when you're leaving and you're like, cool, I need to print some stuff up now. I don't think I have really bad hours. My hours are generally 9 to 5, 9 to 6, yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Is that because you're a paralegal and then maybe lawyers, they have longer hours? One, because I'm a paralegal. Two, also because my workplace is really good with that kind of culture. Like we prioritize having a good balance and making sure, like obviously when we have a lot going on, we've got cases, mediation, client interviews. We do take the time to stay back and put in the hours and do the work. So that's completely acknowledged because the work has to be done. But generally the firm's environment is really positive and everyone just wants to make sure that you have the opportunity to step back from work yeah oh that's nice to know that there are those sorts of nice law firms out there Oh, absolutely I think there are some really lovely workplaces out there I think again as I said it's just a matter of putting yourself out there and finding these places for yourself got it got it 
And can you walk us through the application process for for the paralegal role? Application process looks different for, again, everyone. And I know, I think this is the classic law student answer, right? It depends. And it's different for everyone, which I promise is not a cop out, but it generally just depends on the firm that you're applying for. Generally, the application process is providing a CV, which is one page or two pages long at the most. You don't want it to be too long. Two pages is the max recommended. Having a one-page cover letter, which is outlining your experience and your passions for the job, and then the academic transcript. And if that works, you're then generally invited in for an interview. Again, that is just to see whether you're a good fit for the firm and whether the firm's a good fit for you. And if you're successful, you're offered a job then. Got it. What would you say is the hardest part of the application process for you personally? The cover letter. And I think that's because the cover letter is where you have to sell yourself. And a lot of people can be quite shy about it. But when you're an international student and have to sell yourself, you start doubting yourself a lot. And you wonder whether you have the skills and whether you have the experience, and whether you're appropriate for that. And I think it's just a lot of internalized self-doubt that you negotiate yourself to be less awesome than you already are. So I think that's a tricky one. Wow. And do you remember any tricky interview questions you were asked? I don't think the interviewers are trying to be tricky with you at any point, to be honest. I don't remember any tricky questions. All of the questions, as cliche as they sound, are generally just to understand whether you're a good fit for the team. I think it can be hard to talk about who you are as a person and explain your demeanor and your mannerisms and things like that. And it can be tricky, right? Because where do you draw the personal and professional line that that that's a line that you learn um over the years with some experience and exposure as well so I think that can be a bit hard but I don't think there are any tricky questions they're just trying to understand whether you fit the role and the company's culture well got it in that case were there any questions you found that took you a little bit of time to think about before you could respond to oh it's always the tell us about yourself it that that question always I find quite funny because it's hard because you can be doing so many things and what part do I tell you about? I don't think it's a tricky question. I think it's an interesting one because it really frames the tone for the rest of the interview because that sets the expectation that they have. Say if we have an interview and I say, hey, Francis, I, if I tell you about myself, I'm a Pokemon trainer and I enjoy doing this thing and I enjoy rock climbing. Your expectation of me is I'm an active person, quite outdoorsy, love doing things. Versus if I tell you, hey, what I do is I actually work as a chef. This is what I do. And then your expectation of me is I have a lot of attention to detail, can work in high pressure environments. So I think I find that quite interesting because it sets the tone and the expectation around what they're trying to unpack from you. How how did you approach this question then? I think when you're doing uh, an application and an interview for a paralegal role, they're trying to understand um, who you are as a person in terms of how do you manage your relationships with other people, with clients and things like that. But also you just want to express what kind of person you are. So I'm quite an outgoing, an extroverted person. I enjoy, I enjoy being in high pressure environments. I love learning things on the go as well. I, I enjoy opportunities to improve. So I like a lot of direct open constructive criticism I like a lot of clear communication as well 
so I think those things really make a difference and I'm someone who values that so I'd love to be in an environment or a team that sort of offers me that as well so that's something I would try and get across is I'm someone who's not afraid of a challenge confrontational situations difficult phone calls sometimes potentially hard conversations with clients as well they don't really deter me it's something that I find that I can keep my composure in and navigate quite smoothly I can think quickly on my feet so i that's how I wanted to come across. And I also wanted to be quite clear that I'm an outgoing person. So I can understand that if the team generally is quite laid back and a bit more on the introverted or ambivert side, I appreciate that. So I'd love to know what makes other people feel comfortable. How do I make sure I don't take up too much space and how do I create a team environment as well? Cool, cool. That was a very thoughtful way to answer that question, I think. It looks like we only have a couple of minutes left. Let's see. Let's do a fun one. Have you experienced any culture shock on the job? Oh, absolutely. I think culture shock happens in every aspect of life when you first move here as an international student. But I think when you're working, culture shock for me is email communication. Like, I am quite a direct communicator. So if you send something to me, hi, please see attached. It wouldn't bother me. But I think just generally when you have to communicate with clients and then depending on the cultural context and the background of the conversation as well, also given that it's family law, you have to be quite kind, but you also have to be quite direct. And you also have to be quite clear with your boundaries and expectations as well. It can be interesting because... That means your tone, your warmth, your level of information, your level of accessibility and approachability changes. So I think email communication was something that took me by surprise a little bit because sometimes how you put words down can be construed to be quite rude or quite abrupt and direct. Sometimes it can be construed to be quite fluffy and unclear. So you really have to see who you're communicating with on the other side as well scary as people imagine it to be I know we watch a lot of reels and a lot of videos and things like that about it being legalese and I promise it's generally not always like that sometimes you do get a few things like that and then you're like what did this actually mean but generally and do you feel like you've mastered the art of writing emails legal emails I don't know if I've mastered the art of writing legal emails but I think I'm not terrified of writing emails and I ashamedly am rather excited to write multiple emails in a day. I enjoy writing emails as strange as it sounds. I am the friend in the group who people come to to write and draft emails with. So I, I do enjoy it. It does grow on you a little bit, which I don't know how I feel about. I, I don't know if it's like a skill that I put up or if it's a positive trait I tell an interviewer, which is, hey, I enjoy writing emails, but it's a thing. What do you think is the biggest mm -hmm. thing you've learned over the course of your two plus years as a paralegal? Oh, that's a good one. I think pay attention to detail and try to avoid making mistakes, which is don't get too confident. Just because you think you know something, just because you've done something a million times, doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. You are always exposed and there's always room to make errors. So always make sure you're thorough, make sure you check your work and you do it well because attention to detail, 
quality of work makes a huge difference reputationally, especially in the legal industry. But also it shows that you've put care and you've put effort into doing the work properly because it could affect your client as well. And if it's wrong and if you get it very wrong, it affects a lot of things. And that's another set of issues to deal with. The one thing that I would show is definitely pay attention to detail and don't be nonchalant about it. So just because you think you've done it, don't not pay attention. Every client, every piece of work that you do as a paralegal deserves the same amount of quality care, deserves the same amount of attention, deserves the same amount of revisitation as well to make sure it's all done properly. So definitely make sure your quality is put in there. I live off checklists. My friends call me the checklist queen. I have checklists for everything in my life because this also requires checklisting and I, I love it. 